Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 59 of the Showbound Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Raskin, here alongside San Jose Sharks prospect, Ethan Cardwell. Cards, what's going on? You're sitting at home or in Barry right now doing nothing? Yeah, not too much. I mean, I'm gassed from the day, though. We had, like, we had early morning workout, and then uh, I did some therapy and, like, a little bit of a workout, like, after that, just kind of mobility and stuff like that. And then uh, just some quick video and then a nice practice pushing pace with a little bagger at the end. So the, uh, the legs are a little exhausted. So going to look for a, for a nice nap before dinner, after we wrap up the pod here. Yeah. Now I thought you guys were, so you're not shut down just the games postponed. No, there's no, like we play this weekend. I thought you were off till the 13th. No, because the five day quarantine, everything changes. Oh, so, okay. Instead of ha- our guys having the uh, quarantine for ten days and shutting us all down, where we kind of we only had to do five days, and then everybody with no symptoms was able to come back. Okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't even realize that. I forgot. Well, I had noted down here with the new COVID restrictions in Ontario that I guess uh, as the day everyone's listening to this, they that's when they go live. But for those who don't know, like it's shut down the OUA for at least for January. I'm sure you've seen that a cards. Yeah. I've seen a bunch of those uh, Instagram posts to kind of like put them into the elite athlete category, which like, I, I don't see, like I, I saw a tweet today and I, I agree with it. Like, I, I feel like everybody should be able to play. Like, obviously I know it's, they're doing what they're doing and I don't have any comments on that, but I, I just, I hate the fact that not everybody gets to play the game and especially OUA athletes. Like we did said like a 20 year old in the OHL in a few months, he'll be in the OUA. So what, what's the difference? You know? Yeah. Like he's elite. And then three months later, he's no longer elite. It doesn't really make sense, especially cause uh, like uh, we just tweeted out from the Brock account, our, our former goalie, Logan Thompson's getting his start first NHL start tonight for the Vegas golden Knights. So like guys are going right to the NHL, a former U sports goalie just played for San Jose two days ago. Like a lot of good talent comes out and I don't know how it's not elite, but I also feel for the junior A kids cards. Cause you would know, like, you know, you played in the OJ too. And those are guys who are looking for college scholarships or looking to go to the, go to U sports. And now they can't showcase themselves. Like if you're an, an overager right now, in junior eight it's uh it's gotta be tough well right and a lot of guys choose not to play in the ohl who have like scholarships and stuff and they they decide okay yeah i'm just gonna play in the oj and uh and then i'll go to my school from there and that's kind of taken away from them obviously now and i don't think like everyone we could argue this point i think all day for a a multitude of different sports and different categories in sports and i I just think it's a crummy situation all around and i really hope that we can come out of lockdown when it's scheduled to on January 26th and get back on the ice. The only, the one thing that bugs me not to like put anyone else down, but high school basketball is considered elite, but like OUA basketball is not. And where, where does, where's the logic there? Like high school basketball can still play right now. cards. Like, but no, because they're online learning. I don't know. It says under, under the list of elite leagues, it's, it's the high school basketball league. Mm. It's I anyway, that. that's weird. But like, yeah, everyone's leaving the OUA. Like, we, like I'm not going to say any names, but like half the team is just going to the coast already. And like, it, you'll see all over Twitter soon, like all your buddies too, are, everyone's leaving, like, especially because school's online, you might as well. But um, so here's, here's my question to you then. So these guys who all go to the coast say they like, they're off Brock for the whole year, aren't they? Or can they come back? 
No, I mean, they could come back, but they'd have to sit a year of school of uh, playing now, like a one year from the date of their last pro game. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But, but so, I mean, so- I'm, I'm hoping, and the OUA hasn't said anything about this. I'm hoping they say like anyone who's left the OUA to play in the coast this year and then doesn't sign for next year can come back without losing eligibility because of this ex- like extreme circumstance. Like it's possible that they do something like that. They haven't said if they will. Um, but it, it, it affects recruiting too. Like I, I talked to a, an OHL kid the, like yesterday cards and I was telling him about that. He's like, is, is the OUA even going to play next year? And like, I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> what do I even say well, at this point? Well, of course, like it, it's making your job like extremely tough. Now you have to, like if, if they don't change that rule too, you have to bring in half of, squ- of a squad to make a new team for next year. First off, you have yeah. to find players that like, are good enough to fill those roles, which is going to be hard to do as well. And then on top of that, you have the uncertainty again, because guys in the OUA have been there for two years and haven't even played games. And I I feel for those guys, like no wonder these guys are chomping at the bit to go to the coast and like, just, just play hockey. Like it's so long and and it's tough. And I can only imagine the predicament you're going to be in here now, just trying to recruit. It's going to be, uh, you're going to be doing a lot of talking. And then if we did bring in like 14 guys and then the OUA is like, yeah, you guys can come back because of the circumstance. And then we're, we're sending guys home like that. Anyway, we don't need to get into it, but uh, like, how was your new year's man? Like what, what did you get up to? Oh, so much. Yeah, no, nothing. Just <laughs> hung out at home with my family, just us four. And I don't even like, I was in bed before midnight. Like I was in bed at like 10 30 and I just stayed up anyway, just on my phone watching TikToks. But like, there's nothing to do and like I just didn't I didn't want to risk going out and getting anything before kind of we came back to Barry and then all of this has unfolded but you do anything nah me and my brother stayed up on the couch watching tv my mom was asleep on the couch my dad was I think asleep in his room there and then I went to bed at like 1201 yes yeah, it's, it's the most uneventful new year of all time like that's back-to-back new years where I've done nothing because last year I was like self quarantining just so I didn't get COVID before I went to Sweden. Cause yeah. it was like a, it was like a year ago, two days ago that yeah, I went to- man. Huh. Yeah, it's crazy. It feels like forever ago, but uh, we, we talked about gifts last year or last episode on the podcast and I didn't get mine yet. And I, I, I snapped to see, but one of the gifts I got from my girlfriend was a, a box of Titleist Pro V1 balls. And yeah. I, you saw what I snapped you. I'm terrified to use these things, man. Well, it's, it's like that too. Like I got shoes and I, I love them. And it's like, well, I don't really want to wear them outside because I don't want to get them dirty. It's like the same thing teeing up a pro V1. Like it, it well, especially like higher handicappers, like you go onto a hole, that's got to be like the ball where it's like, okay, like scan the hole. All right. No trouble there. No trouble there. Okay. I can't lose a ball here unless I do something incredibly bad. And then when you get to the holes with water, back in the bag, bring out the top yeah, lights. <laughs> exactly. Any and even just any trees or water, I'm going with the top lights or anything else. Yeah. Like, the, like the range ball. <laughs> you gotta be. You gotta just set up shop. I don't know. Yeah, you gotta have a whole bag full of bad ones, and then just know that you're hitting into a wide open field, basically, if you're bringing out the Pro Vs. I was remember when we golfed at uh, what was that place in Stouffville we went? What was it called? spring lakes was it spring lakes yeah yeah i was golfing at spring lakes with uh with sam brook and he five holes in like he's having an unreal round and he's like all right i'm taking out a pro v1 
Um, like he was feeling it and he put, tees up this Pro V1 and shanks it into the woods. And he starts like throwing a fit, right? He's like, that was a Pro V1. Then the rest of his round, because, you know, once in golf, once you're mentally gone, like you're toast. And he just had a horrible round. And it was, now I'm just nervous after seeing that go down. But, and you, you know what else, probably like they're $5 a ball too. Like it's, it's legit. Like it's all like, okay, like I can afford to lose a few. It's like, damn, like that's a $5 bill every time. Like I might as well just go to the garbage and throw a $5 bill in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather get a get a couple of drinks on the course. If you lose five Pro V ones, you can get yourself a meal and, and a drink while you're playing. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. The the one thing I I did want to talk about on this episode, and I we were messaging back and forth about it was the whole and I I talked about this like a year ago, but the whole posting Starbucks on your Instagram story thing, man, it's getting me really rattled. Like I I sent you one, and dude it's ridiculous like if you're if you're posting starbucks on your story okay maybe maybe a one-off is one thing or if you're trying to make like an artsy photo of some kind if you're posting your iced coffee every day on your insta story on your snapchat story it's ridiculous and and i I don't know why you're doing it i know you have a big problem with this i got an easier problem like a way for you to like fix this just like remove all the people that do that and then you won't have to deal with it anymore that's that's a quick fix for you (laughs) I might have to, but it's just ridiculous that it's gotten to the point where it, it annoys me. And it's not a brag, like posting that you get Starbucks. Actually, I want to talk about this one. It's a funny story that happened to me this week. It wasn't funny at the time, though. But uh, I don't know if I can even say this. I, I work for a company that does analytics for NHL games. That's what I do at night. Um, and when I worked the long shift, I was working a 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. And I got, I got myself a Starbucks, like, get me through the shift. I need a coffee. Like, makes me happy. I don't know. I don't post it or anything. But... So I, I'm, there's a Starbucks on my way and it said it was temporarily closed because like all their staff had COVID or something. They couldn't get staff. So I go to another one. This one's also temporarily closed. I'm like driving for 30 minutes at this point. I, I find I'm going to the other one. I put my GPS and there's a road closed to get there. And I don't know where I am now. Like I'm already lost and the GPS doesn't recognize that the road's closed. So when I'm going off and trying to go around it, it keeps making me do a U-turn and come back because it doesn't realize what I'm doing. So now I'm, I ended up driving for like an hour. I got the Starbucks at this third one and I'm going back and uh, my car was in, in Whippy there getting service. So I was using my mom's car, which is a mess. The cup holders are full of other stuff. So I put it in, in like the door holder. And as I park and I'm, I'm getting out, I uh, pick up the coffee, like the Starbucks out of the door holder. And I grabbed it by the top of the lid and the lid came off and like almost the whole drink spilled out. And I was driving for an hour, three different Starbucks. I was about to kick the car. I was gonna lose it, man. It was unbelievable. I I get like like I'm cool till a point where just like something just kicks me off. And like I like I probably wouldn't go to that extreme to go get it, but like if that happened to me at the end of that all, I would just throw a fit. Like I would just freak out. Like that's the worst luck you could ever have. It was I, brutal. I and well, so after the second one, I was like, okay, I'll just go to Tim's. But the Tim's I knew that was near there was closed. So I was like, whatever, I've already been to two. Like, I'm going to get my Starbucks. Like, I'm determined. And so that, that's why I went through with it. If the Tim's was open, I would have just ripped the Tim's. But anyway, that was brutal. But do you want to uh, do you want to tee up the guests we have this week before we get into some headlines? Yeah, we're pleased to be joined this week by uh, Tristan Robbins, San Jose Sharks prospect, uh, 2020 draft, second rounder, um, currently playing for the Saskatoon Blades in WHL, and he's on a heater of a year this year. So it's uh, it's a good interview that we're looking forward to getting out there. Kind of, He's a personable guy too, so it was nice to have him on. Yeah, and a uh, couple 
couple weeks or months in the AHL last year with the the COVID situation that he, he got to spend some time in the, in the A for the Barracuda and we get into that with him. So we'll get that to you guys in a bit, but a couple of headlines. There was so many uh, news stories in hockey this week. So I actually, I just had to pick a couple. Um, the first one, I guess this is cool. Everyone's heard of it by now though, but the Seattle Kraken fan, Nadia Popovici, I hope I'm reading that right. Saved life of Vancouver Canucks trainer, Brian Hamilton, after noticing a cancerous mole on the back of his neck during a game. Did you see that? And, and just to add, before I flip it to you, the Canucks and Kraken gave her a $10,000 scholarship towards her med school. Yeah, I saw that. That was awesome. Um, credit to her for like kind of speaking up about it. Like when she saw it, like, I feel like even if like you see something, like, I feel like it's kind of still like a bit awkward to like say to someone like, Hey, you have, you have like a, a mold that could be like cancerous and stuff. So like, and I wonder like, uh, like people would take that offensively too. I think sometimes like if somebody told you, you'd be like, what do you mean? Like, stop talking to me, like whatever. Yeah. But like, great that it happened. Like it, it's super fortunate that she happened to be sitting there and it worked out like that. And it's just an incredible feel good story. And obviously it's amazing for uh, ha- Mr. Hamilton. Is that his name? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hi- him and his family, obviously to know he's, uh, he's much better off now and uh, kind of just, perfect timing in the perfect place at the right time yeah and and for those who don't know it was at the first game at the the climate pledge arena in seattle when it happened and i guess she had wrote it on her phone and was banging the glass to get his attention and he kind of like shrugged it off and then she changed the font to make it brighter and bigger to really get his attention was banging on the glass the whole time and then you know through twitter and facebook they tracked her down brought her to the most recent canucks cracking game and they met and gave her the scholarship it was a cool story so one you know a rare story you don't really see anything like that so that was cool everyone kind of knows the story by now but wanted to share that uh let's get your take on this one members of the russian world junior team escorted by police off the plane on the way home from the world juniors bro i heard about that and the the crazy thing like my first thought about it was like okay like who should i text to find out what happened because obviously like any other team like kind of you have connections and you can kind of figure out what happened before like it breaks the news and stuff like that so i'm i'm thinking about it and then i'm like wow okay yeah they didn't bring any north american guys like this year they they missed out on like guys in our league like gushin chaika petrov just to name a few so i'm like sitting there i'm like wow so i'm reading online and it was crazy like just (laughs) i don't even know like how that even comes to happening or just I, it kind of blows my mind. What are you thinking about it? I don't know. Like, did they not know they're on a commercial plane? That's that's the thing I'm wondering. Like, if it's a private jet, like, sure, if it's chartered. But do you not recognize there's other people? And then the one other thing, I guess, was when they were being asked to stop, why don't they just stop? Like, why did it get to the point where police had to escort people off? That's what I don't understand how it got that far. Yeah, I, f- I feel like, honestly, part of it, too, is, like, frustration boiling over from the world juniors being canceled which i can understand but obviously you never act out like that yeah kind of in that i heard way, they were but... all buckled too and like the drinking age in alberta is only 18 so all of them are old enough to drink right like most of them oh that's 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 that explains a lot more than <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, was, it was interesting uh two more headlines here but i mean on the topic of world juniors we got Connor bedard's world junior tournament and then to add on Scored four goals, including the overtime winner in his first game back in the dub. What do you think of his performance? Well, yeah, it's interesting, right? Because he went to the World Juniors only at a point per game in the WHL and kind of a lot, what a lot of people thought was like a slow start. And 
he got the opportunity to go to camp and made it a no-brainer that they had to take him by dominating those U Sports games. And then, obviously, we all saw his brilliance he put on in the tournament. So, without question, he's a special player, and he's going to be a uh, special player for years to come, along with Mitchkoff in that uh, 2023 draft class. But, no, I think it was incredible. It's just that it's the confidence thing. He goes back. He, he scores uh, four goals in two games, four in one game, really. And you go back to the WHL and you kind of think, wow, like if I can do it at that level, there's no reason I shouldn't be doing this every night at this level. So I also saw the stat line that night. He had 13 shots on goal, which is just incredible. That's that's a shooter. And I, I talked to Fetz after the tournament and he said that's one of the best shots he's ever seen in his life. And obviously he's been skating with the Jets and skating with very high-end players at the World Championship and uh, all of that. So to be uh, put in that category by a player like Fetz, it's uh, – He's got a lot of talent, and I'm looking forward to see him kind of progress. What are your thoughts on uh, his tournament and where he's going to be going? Yeah, I mean, well, first, I completely agree with what you said and the confidence going back to the dub now, but it's just crazy to think 16 years old. Okay, it's unbelievable, man. This guy can play in like five World Juniors, but he he won't because he'll be in the show soon, and they probably won't let him go because he's going to be putting up points there. Um, I don't know, man. It just the whole thing was crazy. Like, he is, he really is an unbelievable player. Um Last one here, and this is one that we can we can discuss. Gary Bettman has asked the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, to move hockey to the Summer Olympics. What do you think of that? Like, it wouldn't mess with the NHL season. Um, you know, everyone can kind of can go. Like, what do you think? That is, that's an interesting one. I haven't heard about that, too. So you're kind of getting my fresh take on things here. I haven't even had time to think about this one. But I, I could see where they're coming from. But I also just, like, it, I guess, like, for most other Olympic sports, like it's, it's like, all right, like that's when it falls. Like this is when it's happening. And like, that's what those athletes are training for. Like the NHL players aren't training for the Olympics for four years. They're training to be the best they can in the national league. So I feel like that could make sense in a way. Um, definitely it would allow everybody to go without any issues. Anybody who wants to go and is like good enough to make it can go play which would uh, ease things up a lot too. But I feel like it's been a part of it for so long that I don't really know. What do you, what do you think? I like, well, okay. I like the idea, obviously, of NHL players going to the Olympics. Whether it's summer or winter, I don't care as long as it happens. Now, if, if it was a situation where they can't go in the winter ever and they can only go in the summer, then I think they should try to make that happen. But then the other question is, then what about the women? Do the women also move to the summer or does that stay in the winter and, and so there's a lot of other things to think about um obviously people like who are a lot smarter than we are are making <laughs> those decisions but i think if uh if they could do that and then you know you don't need a long pause in the nhl season like it doesn't mess with the nhl at all if that's the case so i i do think that's kind of the ideal scenario from the nhl perspective from a fan perspective you know I guess we don't feel hockey as much in the summer. I know everyone would be fired up for the Olympics no matter when, but you're definitely in the mood, you know, come January, February to watch hockey. There's no doubt about that. So uh, I think personally, I'd rather it stay in the winter if NHL players can go. But like I said, if it came down to they can't go ever in the winter, then like move it to summer. Like let's get the NHL players going there. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, like you look at all the memories that have like kind of come from like Olympic hockey, like 
TJ Soshi, they call him, just because of that shootout performance. It was incredible. Yeah. You obviously have the golden goal for Crosby. Those are the only two that like I can really remember off the top of my head because I was only old enough for those two, and you haven't really – or actually, 2018, they didn't go. Yeah, they and now go. 2022, we're having all these problems. So I, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but we'll see. That's not a bad proposal if if they can't go during the regular season. Because, like, I totally agree with what you said. Like, I'd rather watch hockey in the winter, like, along with all the other Olympic sports in the winter. And, like, it's the same thing with the World Juniors being pushed back. Like, obviously, you want to get those players a chance to play. It's just, like, will the ratings be there and stuff? Will Will it be the same as it was? But you want to give all those players who made it for their last and maybe first time on those teams, the chance to represent their country at the world junior. Yep, exactly. And, uh, that, that's all we got here. Uh, I think with that being said, let's, let's send it over to Tristan Robbins. All right. We're pleased to be joined here this week on the pod by Tristan Robbins. Robbie, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah, of course. And, uh, just quickly before we kind of backtrack on your whole career here, just want to check in on this season. I know, uh, senior stats you've been kind of popping off this year in the dubs so how's it been going uh it's been going good things have kind of slowed down a bit with COVID it seems that every team is in double digits with cases right now so it's been a been a bit of a zoo uh in western Canada but you know things things started off well for sure yeah I mean you guys can't complain too bad we're in lockdown again here in Ontario (laughs) so it's it's getting ugly at least you guys are still uh trucking through and playing I saw you had a uh, six point night the other night or seven maybe Uh, yeah, it was six. Oh, wow. So what, what was going on that game? Just like I saw five apples too, right? Eh? Yeah, yeah, five apples. Um, yeah, we, we had a kind of a back and forth game against Red Deer. We were actually up 5-2 and, uh, you know, let some, let some squeaky ones through and ended up taking them all the way through overtime into the shootout. And uh, yeah, ended up losing that game 7-6. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, imagine getting six points and losing. It was crazy. And losing seven six too. Like you got you were in on every goal. Yeah, it was, but it was it was not. It was such a frustrating game. We'd score and then they'd both score right back. Did you score in the shootout? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So seven technically a seven point night. Yeah, that loss is not on you. <laughs> yeah, no, you did you literally did every single thing you could to win that game. Still couldn't happen, but that nah, is what it is. Yeah. Well, firstly, what are those? What are those sticky notes on your wall? Are you in your own room? Uh, no, I'm not right now. I'm actually in my girlfriend's room at her, at her house for supper. Okay, she likes to write on the walls or what? Uh, yeah, she's. I think that's kind of maybe where paintings or pictures are gonna go. I don't really know. I'd kind of let her do her own thing. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, moving into hockey stuff. I I noticed your father played for the Saskatoon Blades as well, so following in his footsteps there, um, and. From what I can understand, you grew up while he was still playing pro hockey. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. Um, he retired a couple of years, I guess, after I was born. But uh, for the first couple of years, he dragged me and my mom along uh, in Europe. Actually, we were in London for kind of the back end of his career. Now, were you born in London? Yeah, I was. I was. Okay, so how long did you live there for? And do you have any memories of, of your dad's pro career? Uh, I don't have any memories. I've seen pictures and stuff. Um, but kind of back and forth for a few seasons, I think maybe three or four years, uh, just back to Canada in the summers, like off season, I guess, and then back there in the winters. But I think uh, we moved to Canada full time and kind of started our, our life here when I think I was around six years old. Uh, but not a lot of, not a lot of memories from back then. 
Okay. So did you ever play minor hockey over there? Did you start when you came to Canada? I started when I came to Canada. So you started actually a little bit late compared to everyone. And like, do you, do you ever go back and visit? I've actually never been back. We planned on going, but things just haven't worked out. Like growing up with, with like spring hockey and summer hockey, we just ran out of time. Yeah, for sure. Schedule can get packed for sure. <laughs> oh, so yeah. We want to kind of, what we do here, we go through all the, the whole career kind of touch, touch on every base that you've kind of went through. So I want to start with the WHL draft going back a while now. And uh, you were a fourth round pick to the WHL uh, the Regina Pats played one game for them in your underage year. Tell us about that experience a little bit. Yeah. So the, the draft day, I was actually in school in grade nine, uh, back in Brandon, Manitoba. Um, wasn't really sure when I was going to get picked or whatever, because at the time I didn't have an agent or anything. So it was just kind of my dad and I on the phone kind of going back and forth. Uh, Regina selected me in the fourth round and, uh, funny enough, they, they took my buddy, I believe in the, in the first, or the second round is Cole Muir. Him and I grew up playing together, so we, you know, we're talking to each other that day. I'm pretty fired up about that. Uh, I went to camp um, when I was 16, or I guess when I was 15, just to kind of feel things out. Uh, and then, you know, the year after that, I went to camp, first eligible year in the dub. Um, had a pretty good camp. I had a couple goals in preseason, and uh, that was the year they were hosting the Memer. So I really had no chance of cracking that squad. Um, did everything I could. Uh, played one game, played the home opener. I think I only had about three shifts uh, and then, you know, got sent down right after that. And then uh, shortly after towards the trade deadline, I was moved over to Saskatoon. Cards. I don't know if you know this. I might've talked about it before. And for the listeners, I actually broadcasted that Mem Cup on Sportsnet Radio in Regina. And uh, I went to the brand center and saw that team. And was, was it Max Paddock in goal? Yeah. Yeah. 17 year old goalie. Yeah. And, and he was buzzing. And so I actually got to go to Regina that year. It would have been, it would have been funny if you were on that team at that point, but uh, I just wanted to plug myself there, give myself a shout out on the pod. Yeah, I never knew that. That's actually pretty sick, Rask. So yeah. I guess, Roby, you kind of led into that for us. Um, so you go to Saskatoon that year and played a few more games for them. How did you kind of find that level of play, like as a young kid? How'd you, how'd you find yourself kind of integrating into that? Uh, at the time, I thought it was actually quite a big jump. Uh, a year after I actually hit a huge growth spurt. So at the time, I think I was like maybe five, six, 130 pounds, like just a, a little guy, um, <laughs> like a really, really little guy. So I, I felt really slow out there and just pretty, pretty small compared to everyone else. Uh, but it, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing is just the, the size difference and the speed. Cause I was used to playing in midget and even in midget when I was 16, I wasn't really playing a whole lot. Uh, so I, th I think that, uh, it was yeah a bit of an eye opener for sure. When I got called up Saskatoon, one of the things we've had a couple of dub guys on, not too many, but we've never really asked what's the travel like in the dub, obviously a lot further for games. Are you guys rocking sleeper buses ever and, and stuff like that? Uh, I think there was a, a rule put in place a couple of years ago where they're no longer allowed due to safety issues or something. Uh, but there's only three or four teams in the whole league out of uh, out of 20 teams that actually had them uh, in the past. So for us, we're um, in the Eastern Division, which is just mostly just, you know, the plain old prairies in Alberta. Uh, so the furthest game in our division is six hours or sorry, eight hours. That's the absolute furthest out of division play. Uh, our furthest drive would be somewhere in probably actually probably down to Portland in Oregon, which is 23 hours, I think. Ooh. 
Uh, and, but we'd only do that once a year. So we do, we'd, uh, do one swing out West every year. Otherwise we just stay in our division, kind of our conference, I guess. Yeah. And how, how do you guys like, so you, you only really like, so how many times are you going to play out of division teams? Like not a lot. Uh, we, on, only twice. Together. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. so how many, how many times do you play teams in your division then per year? Oh, usually, usually closer to uh, six or eight per team. Okay. Um, but I mean, one year, my, my first year in Saskatoon full-time when I was 17, we ended up playing PA, I think 16 times one year, including wow. playoffs and preseason. And we hate playing PA because it's like, that's our rivalry, rivalry team uh, of the whole league. And so it's just a, it's a bloodbath every time we play them. And we, you know, played them almost 20 times that year. Yeah. That's ridiculous. The dub's crazier than the O2, like physically, I think. Would, would you agree with that? Um, I think it really just kind of depends on the personnel on the team. Uh, but there's been, you know, for sure a couple guys you got to look out for on some, some teams that have, you know, been, been here in the past. Uh, it's kind of cleaned up a little bit, especially in our division. I don't think there's really anyone who, you know, you actually have to really pay attention when they're on the ice. Uh, but yeah, there's, you know, if you Google it, you'll, you probably find some funny stuff. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> have you ever shed the mitts yet? Uh, no, nothing, nothing like crazy. I got into a couple wrestling matches, uh, over the years, but the refs are, are pretty damn quick to jump in nowadays. Like even here, um, we had a, a scrum. I wasn't playing the other night. Um, but we had uh, a guy like squaring up with someone and right when they shed the mitts, the refs jumped in. So I, I don't know what that's all about or if they're just trying to get it out of the game, but yeah, it's uh, probably a little bit frustrating to be those guys. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in the NHL too a couple nights ago. I can't remember who it was, but they're at all levels, really, they're cracking down hard. But I mean, continuing on with the dub, obviously, you you go in like you mentioned the first full season with Saskatoon there, and you got to play with Kirby Doc. So I'm curious, and the listeners definitely want to know what's he like as a teammate off the ice. Uh, good dude. Uh, he kind of sticks to himself off the ice. Uh, doesn't really do a whole lot. Big big homebody from you know what it seemed that year. Uh, but it was, it was awesome to, to spend that year with him. He was, a, you know, obviously a super talented player and he worked extremely hard and it was, yeah, awesome guy to have around the rink. Yeah. And, and then you guys went on a playoff run that year. Uh, can you tell us about that run and like how far you guys made it and, and how you played personally? Yeah. So, uh, during the year, didn't really see much past the fourth line. Um, so yeah, probably about eight minutes a game, maybe at most, uh, up until actually, first round of playoffs. So we ended up finishing uh, uh, second in our division that year behind PA. Uh, PA had an outstanding year. They had a great team. And uh, we played Moose Jaw in the first round, ended up sweeping them. So we got a couple of days off. Uh, Prince Albert won their series as well. So we were matched up against them in the second round. Uh, kind of went back and forth for a few games. Then we took them to six and then ended up losing, uh, losing in their building, or sorry, in our building in six. And that was that was the year that Oz won it all too, right? Yeah, you're right. That was against Oz. Yeah. So, do you remember playing Ozzy when he was 16? Did he like play a lot? Yeah, he he played a lot. I think he was actually playing with uh, with Gregor and uh, Fonstad. And oh, uh, you know, Greg's is with with uh, the Sharks now. So. Yeah, I, I see him every night on the projected second line. He's, he's yeah. Make <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, moving forward, like the next season there. With the Blades, uh, your draft year, and you lit it up, 33 goals, 73 points in, in just 62 games. So what changed 
do you think from the year before obviously you you said fourth line so was it just ice time confidence like how, how did you find it uh yeah i think a bit of both but i mean ice time for sure helps i was i uh, was playing a lot bigger of a role um i was kind of you know playing in all situations i got moved up to first power play and pk and just kind of all around uh but we we had a couple of guys you know step out or move on like kirby was you know obviously playing for chicago the next year so there was a a center ice spot that opened up and that's what I kind of slid into there. Uh, but I think, yeah, I could probably accredit a lot of it to just opportunity and ice time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes a huge difference. And like, so were you guys like, did you kind of like know he was going to make it going third overall or were you like, who knows, like he could be back. Like I might be second line center and uh, kind of have to play behind him or did, uh, was it a sure thing? Uh, back in Saskatoon, we, we had no idea actually. Uh, we were kind of talking through camp, whether, you know, he was going to stay or go. And at the time we were talking with him too, and he really didn't know either. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a weird time for sure. Yeah. So then obviously you were a late birthday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you kind of peaked at the right time, perfect time for the draft here, um, in the, in the 2020 draft and you go second round to the San Jose Sharks. Um, and that's obviously for the listeners who didn't piece it together. That's how, me and Robbie know each other, but uh, just tell us about draft day and the moment you were picked. Draft day was awesome. Uh, it was kind of in in the, the height of COVID where I was living, so it was a, a little bit harder to uh, to get things like uh, like a big gathering in your family. Uh, but we made it work. My grandparents, my auntie and uncle came over. I uh, wasn't really sure where I was going to end up, to be honest. Uh, didn't also know where the range was either. Um, you know where I was going to get picked, so. We were watching, uh, watching excited, excitingly and tentatively at the screen every every single pick, and you know, lucky enough to go to a great organization like San Jose, and everyone just jumped into the air and started screaming. And um, my phone <laughs> kind of blew up after that. The first person that called was actually uh, Dougie Junior. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I was gonna. So that kind of leads right into the next thing too. I was gonna ask, like, did you have a lot of contact with San Jose? Like, did you talk to all of them before? Uh, there was there was three teams that I really thought I was gonna go to. Uh, it was either Philly, Anaheim, or San Jose. And uh, they had picks that were pretty close together mm-hmm. um, in the second round. So I was like, okay, well, that's kind of where I think I'm going to end up. Uh, and then Anaheim took their pick. Philly took their pick. And I'm like, well, this might be it right here. <laughs> that's awesome. So you, how many times you would you say you talked to San Jose before? Um, I think maybe, maybe five or six. Uh, two or three Zoom calls, I think. Oh yeah. So it's getting serious. So yeah, definitely yeah. they had a good interest. And those, those interviews are pretty laid back and they're, they're good. Like when I spoke with uh, Dougie Jr. as well, like it was, it was nice. Like it's almost like refreshing. It's like, you're just talking to like a, a guy who loves the game as well. And you're just kind of sharing stories and stuff like that almost. Yeah, exactly. I think Dougie, Dougie called me in one of those uh, zero gravity recliners one day, just, just <laughs> shooting the shit. Yeah. He, he's an amazing guy. And I think, uh, who was it on a few weeks ago? It was it was Lenny on last week, Ras. That was, was talking about how uh, yeah, Junior was such a beauty on the phone and stuff. So even when I met him that time at the game, man, we were just talking all game. He was talking about the pod, about lacrosse, about his hair. Like he's such a personable guy. He's like a yeah, awesome yeah, guy. super easy to talk to. Yeah, he's a good guy to have in an organization for sure. And so, did you take any like funny or unique draft questions or interviews from teams that kind of stood out? Um. I had one, I think it was a, a questionnaire from, I don't remember what team. The Islanders. I was honestly just going to say the Islanders. 
but I, I don't really remember. Oh, I, I think sure it was, was the Islanders. I really think yeah. it was, but it was like a like a psychology test almost. <laughs> and uh, I've never taken a psych class in my life. And I was reading it, and it was like, well, it was like giving me situations and what I would do. And it was it was weird, man. But I don't I don't know. I guess whatever the process they have obviously works. But uh, yeah, I was so confused the whole time. Yeah. So what what episode is this for us, Ross? Fifty nine, you said. Yeah. Yeah. So if this is the fifty ninth, I think that's the fifty at least fifty fifth time we've heard that it's uh, a little weird. The stuff the Islanders have given uh, the boys for questionnaires. But yeah, that was definitely the Islanders because uh, we've heard that one. Uh, yeah, like I said, a million that's times. Crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's classic. I mean, yeah, we do hear it all the time. We even talked about it last week. We had an Islanders pick last week. That's what it was. And he was giving us some of those questions. But, um, I mean, the following season after that, you you got to play up with the San Jose Barracuda in the AHL because of the COVID situation. And yeah, uh, can you tell us about that experience? And how long were you there for? Uh, it was awesome. Uh, we are we uh, I was there for just over two months. Um, okay, wow. started off in Chandler, Arizona because Bay County was shut down. Mm-hmm. So Ozzy and I flew out actually kind of together, um, went to Chandler, we're in a hotel and then we had to do like a quarantine cause COVID was, you know, spiking everywhere. Then, uh, did a, did a seven day quarantine. I think we, uh, we were told and then we had to test and if ever, we were all negative. So then we were allowed to, uh, to skate. So we started skating, but there was only about a, a group of eight or nine of us. Super weird. We're like, oh, this is like camp. Like what's going on? Because we weren't really given too many details. Uh, but I guess it was like pre-CUDA camp sort of thing. Because uh, the Sharks were in Scottsdale. And we just had all the guys who were either on uh, one-way A deals or you know draft picks like Ozzy and myself. And so we were just just twirling around with uh, with J-Mac cards. Uh, J-Mac wow. was there with us. And uh, pretty much just doing skills for like two weeks. It was almost like just going out for six and pucks there for a little while. It was it was crazy. That's that's awesome though. That that's sweet. Like and like especially like just to get away from like Canada during those times and kind of oh, go. Yeah. It, was, it was probably so nice. Like what were you guys doing on your downtime? In Man, Arizona? it was yeah. It was nuts. We the hotel we were at had a sweet pool and a hot tub, and in Arizona it was 24, 25 degrees every day all sun. Uh, there was a basketball court close by. So a couple of us would go play ball and then go back and swim and just hang out. So we'd skate for an hour in the morning and do a workout. And then we'd have the whole rest of the day to do nothing. So a bunch of times I actually went golfing too. Saw some uh, sweet courses there in AZ. Yeah, that that's yeah. the life right there. And you're, the, the best part about all of it is you're, you're, probably, you're getting paid on top of that too, no? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, you're, getting, you're living the yeah. life down there. It was nice. It was really nice. <laughs> And you found your way into a couple games there too. So can you tell us about that experience and how you found the level of play? Yeah, the games were awesome. Uh, we had a, some crazy hiccups. I don't know if you guys heard about what happened in Texas there, uh, kind of in February. They had this massive, uh, massive snowstorm. Snow oh, yeah. yeah. Shut everything down. Pipes bursted everywhere. We were stuck in the hotel for three days just because we couldn't literally, we literally couldn't even leave uh so that was wild but uh the play was it was fun um i played my my first couple games against tucson uh, i knew a couple guys on that team as well so it, it made it even even that more exciting uh but i think i think the biggest change was probably the level of physicality i don't think it's a whole lot quicker uh but everyone's just you know you're playing against men compared to boys so i think that's probably the biggest difference yeah 
Now, I'm also just curious. This one just came to me. They're, they're obviously, they're bringing you there as a guy. They kind of want to groom into an NHL player. You're there to learn. Um, you're there for two months. So what kinds of things would you say that you learned from your time there, like, you know, watching games, being around pros? I think just how they prepare um, and every little thing they do, whether that's, you know, nutrition or body maintenance, just all the little things I think that kind of go unseen behind the scenes uh, is really important. So it was New Year's Day of 2021 that you signed. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So tell us about that, like how you got the news uh, that you'd be signing and, and, you know, what you did when you signed. Um, well, yeah, pretty happy new year. Yeah. Not a bad <laughs> oh, yeah, start, honestly. The, yeah. What a, what a good start. Uh, I got the call from my agent, um, in the morning, just saying that San Jose wrote up an offer. Uh, and so I went and went over it with him and, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to pass up on an NHL contract. So kind of got things sorted out there. Uh, got on the phone or I guess a zoom call with uh, San Jose's management and kind of sealed the deal there. Uh, and then, yeah, got things sorted uh, with all that. And at the time, we were, or I was still in quarantine. So we got down there on December 27th. So that was only, uh, you know, four days or four or five days after. So we're all quarantining still. And I got an NHL contract while I'm sitting in my hotel room, not allowed to leave. So it was interesting, but very exciting. Yeah, that, that's quite the story. Um, did you like reward yourself, make any big purchases after that? Uh, this one's pretty funny, but as soon as I got things sorted out and, uh, you know, whatever, I, I went out when we were out of quarantine, there was a Target down the street. And so I went and bought a, a nice Wilson basketball and uh, <laughs> we went and uh, balled up for a couple hours, me and a couple <laughs> of you guys. That's, that's unreal. Um, just while we're on the topic of money, have you heard about our partners at Gavin Hockey Well Specialists? Do you know who they are? No, I do not. Okay, well... Uh, for you and for the listeners, the Gavin Hockey Well Specialists, they're the best money managers in, in the NHL. Uh, tons of NHL clients. They'll, you know, take care of your investments, uh, you know, taxes, do whatever they have to do, make, get you set up so that when you're done playing hockey, you never have to work a, a day for the rest of your, your life. And they'll keep you on track with your spending and keep you grounded. So just want to shout out Gavin. You can check them out at gavingroup.ca. And yeah, they're the best in the business. Also, just they're former hockey players themselves. So they've been there. They get it. And uh, yeah, cards. Yeah, awesome. best, best in the business. I mean, I don't, I don't have the money to, to actually speak from experience, but uh, all, <laughs> all of our guests, for sure, they're the best guys in the world too. So definitely check them out if you're a young hockey player coming up through the ranks. But uh, I mean, back on topic, we'll, we'll bring it to this season because uh, it's been a stellar one so far. And, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but you're, you're putting up good numbers in Saskatoon now. And I saw kind of when you went back at first, you came out blazing hot out of the gates. It was like, you had like 13 points in like what, three, four games or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Something like that. I had a good start. <laughs> so is it just like, just being a veteran, like you've been in the league for so long now, like second round pick signed in the NHL played, uh, you've played AHL games. Like you've done it all kind of now. So is that contributing to your success? You think? Yeah, I think just the, the extended period of time I spent down there, uh, even just being able to practice with the pros uh, really helped a lot. And I, I like you said before, just having the experience being an older guy, uh, coming back and kind of grooming the younger guys on, you know, how things kind of roll. Um, but yeah, the, the time that I spent, the, all the ice time that I had with, uh, with the pros for sure helps coming back. Yeah, definitely. Like being a leader too, how you kind of yeah. 
doing doing with that like do, do you like it better kind of having a leadership role and kind of taking the younger guys under your wing yeah absolutely I love that because uh, I know you know I, I guess you all you guys all know what it's like to be a young guy uh, you know coming up and you know sometimes it's not the easiest to uh, to speak up or you know you kind of you stay quiet for a year or two but uh, you know I, I not, love not cardsy feel welcome yeah not cardsy uh, I love making the younger guys feel welcome though and uh, making them feel comfortable. No, yeah, for sure. And you seem like the the perfect guy to kind of be a leader on your team and kind of take them under your wing. But uh, and and I mean, like with how how do you find the pace of play? Like, obviously, you said that it's not as like physical or anything, but like from so you played AHL games last year and like you even went out for the playoffs a bit after. And then you have a full year of like offseason training. So like physically, do you feel like you're more dominant than you've ever been in that league? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's it's for sure different, obviously, than the, the AHL or even, you know, practicing with the, the NHL team. Uh, but I I pushed myself every year in the summer because, I you know, you always want to get bigger and stronger. And uh, I think I made a lot of gains actually last summer, uh, put on some, some good weight, uh, got faster. And so, yeah, every, every single year, I think that's a big part of, uh, you know, I guess what I want to continue to do in the future is just the off-ice. Yeah, definitely going to be a key piece, and you're you're always looking good with the tats too. You all tatted up. The body's <laughs> always scarred, right? Um, but we want to. We always do some segments now to kind of like we talk about the hockey, and then we we want to kind of learn who you are as a person, and let our fans kind of get the inside scoop on uh, who Tristan Robbins is. So we'll start in our personality questions. So, right. how would your teammates describe you? Um. I think my teammates would describe me as a very energetic person. Uh, I, I think I'm one of those guys who love to keep the room light and, uh, you know, make some, make some jokes and get everyone smiling. Yeah. There's, there's no other way to be really can't be a yeah. hard. <laughs> too much effort, but um, favorite ice cream flavor. Uh, chocolate chip cookie dough without a doubt. Oh, no. quick with the answer too. Good oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you eat a cupcake? Ooh, one bite for sure. Just going to down it. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what if it's like a monster mouth. cupcake? Like, how are you? I'm going to try that? my very best. But if it, I don't know. I love those. I love those little ones that you could just pop. Yeah, like, the one bite. You guys have the, ever have those one bite brownies? Yeah, those oh, are yeah. good. Oh, yeah. those might be like the best snack there is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're good. You do all the off-season training and then throw about... 7,000 carbs and just sugar in your body. That's good. Yeah, for it. Right to the barrel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would you do with your life if you couldn't be a hockey player? Um, I liked school a lot, actually. Uh, ironic enough, because I guess hockey players aren't really known to be school guys, but uh, probably some sort of engineering, I think. That's kind of the Ooh, path wow. I want to go down. Ooh, we're dealing with a brainiac here, Rask. So then, yeah. actually... <laughs> This, this isn't even involved with it at all, but it just came to my head. Like, was NCAA a thought ever? Yeah, so I, I know I mentioned my height and weight to you guys a little bit earlier when I was 16. And, uh, you know, when you're 16, 17, that's when they're doing their big recruiting. I didn't get a sniff, man. Oh, really? No, no, I didn't get a sniff. Uh, but, yeah, I, that was pro- actually my first, uh, my first, I guess, wish or thought was to go NCAA. But uh, mm-hmm. NCAA didn't want me. Wow! Well, it looks like it, it's worked out for you so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Burned, burned them in the long run. So, what would your dream <laughs> school have been? Ah, uh, I had no idea. 
I, at the time, I didn't really do enough research uh, to realize what, you know, what program would have suited me best. Um, but probably, probably, probably an Ivy League school. I think I would, could have got a, a pretty good uh, academic scholarship, I think. There you go. So uh, you're set. We got uh, this is our, probably our first guy who just came out and said, "Yeah, I'm a school guy. Like I'm good if hockey doesn't work <laughs> out." So. Yeah, he'll, he'll survive. It's good to hear the hockey world has some hope beyond hockey. So, um, <laughs> last one for this segment: uh, If you were stranded on an island for a month with three members of the San Jose Sharks organization, who would you want them to be? Ooh. Um... I think one of them's got to be Brent Burns. I feel like he just knows what he's doing in the wilderness. Oh, yeah. uh, I think that's got to be a staple. Uh-huh. Um, probably Lane Peterson because I know him really well. Uh, him and I are boys. Have uh, you know good times with him. And uh, ooh, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like a, a good one to bring on. That'd be an, a, a good asset. Yeah, you need your assets. Like you're you need the smart an asset. Guy. Yeah. Burns would be unreal in the wilderness yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I I think I need to to do some more serious deep studying on the guys then, and figuring <laughs> yeah, out who I can bring along that help. Yeah, and that that's that's one of the first guys ever too. That that just shows that you are a smart guy. You're you're using your brain to think who you actually need <laughs> rather than who you just want to yeah. shoot shit with. <laughs> Throw research. Rat- yeah, I know this um, actually, and this, this segment that we're going into now, I actually really like this one. I mean, it was our first time doing it last week. So I'll let Rask kind of take the reins here. Yeah. I just put this one in last week. We'll keep it going see if it goes well, maybe add some new questions and stuff, but it's just this or that questions. Like we'll snap it around quick. I'll just say it. You say your answer. We move on to the next one quick. All right. um, I got like eight or nine. So black tape or white tape, white tape, far down or five hole, far down. Shoot first or pass first? Uh, shoot first. Hot weather or cold weather? Hot weather. Okay. Uh, weights <laughs> or cardio? Uh, weights, absolutely. Hot, <laughs> hot coffee or cold coffee? Cold coffee. I don't drink hot coffee. Okay. San Jose's liking this so far. Um, Snapchat or Instagram? Um, Instagram. Okay. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. All right. There we go. This or that. Are you are you binging anything right now on Netflix? Yeah, actually, uh, well, not really binging, but I started watching it again. There's a new show, uh, Lock and Key. Really, I've uh, never heard like, of it. Yeah, it's it's nothing crazy. It's a Netflix original, just a sci-fi about a, a house that I guess has like these these keys that do crazy things. That's wild. Um, That's yeah, cool. it, it's it's interesting. It's it's a little slow off the start, but it gets pretty good. Yeah, there you go. Lock and key for anybody who's looking uh, for for some lockdown special in uh, in Ontario to get through the, these <laughs> tough times for sure. But uh, and then we uh, we want to move it into our fan questions now. So we got an overwhelming amount. So you must be a man of the people because they came out uh, hot with the questions for you. But we could only choose a select few. Actually, I um, want to jump in quick because you you did already answer it. I wasn't gonna put it in, but the first one was, "Are you single?" <laughs> <laughs> no no i have a girlfriend i'm actually in her room right now <laughs> um big girlfriend guy too eh? how long have you been yeah. with her uh almost two years there you go that's that's good stuff a true love story folks um <laughs> first one stick specs and stick uh stick specs so i have a mid-max blade i'll start there which is uh just a little bit bigger than stock uh, I use 
kind of in between a P90 and a P90T. So it's uh, like a normal, I guess, like Sackick or Crosby curve, but with a bit more toe. Um, stick lie would probably be a five, um, pretty standard. And uh, I'd get a rounded shaft. So a C shaft it's called and a triple layer bubble grip on, on wow. top of that. That's I only mouthful. understood like one of those things. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I probably could have done a better job explaining it, but uh, no, this, like the, the stick nerds the will know version. and they'll be buying that right now. I guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> so like you said, you like school and everything. Like, are you a hockey nerd in the sense your gear has to be perfect how you want it and stuff? Uh, I guess like kind of in a way, but not perfect. Just really beaten up. Like I hate new stuff. Really hate it. Um, so like the stuff that I have right now, like the shoulder pads and elbow pads and, and shin pads I got when I was 14 from, uh, or I guess 15 from the Pats. Very yeah. first set I've ever gotten from a team and I still wear them. Uh, Murph, Murph won't be having that for long. No, year. no. He actually, he actually, uh, gave me grief when I was down there about my shoulder pads cards, because I've had the Velcro everywhere sewn on two or three times. <laughs> just, just won't deviate. No, no, cannot. Yeah, I'm the same way too. Though I'm using stuff from my first year as well. But, and actually, did you see Murph was the backup for the Cuda the other day? No way. Yeah, he was the backup goalie the other day for the Cuda in Stockton. Dude, I uh, I thought I recognized because I saw a little clip on the Instagram or uh, or Twitter or something, and I was like, wow, that looks a lot like Murph. I'm like, no chance, that's Murph. It's just someone who really looks like him. Like, sure Jesus. enough, sure enough, yeah, <laughs> holy man. That's awesome. Yeah, you got to go look it up. It was hilarious. You wore number 22. I was laughing, but uh, what awesome. a good guy, though, to go in for oh, the yeah. if they needed him. Absolutely. But, uh, moving on here, I guess that kind of took a while for our first question. Um, next one, pregame meal. Um, probably chicken, quinoa, and uh, broccoli. Nice, nice. Any superstitions? Uh, nothing crazy. No, just, just a – pregame nap maybe that's not really superstition but uh I, yeah just a, a good pregame nap and i know we talked about kirby doc so what's it like playing with colton doc it was good uh they're completely different people and players so it was kind of cool to see the i guess the other uh, other side of the family uh kirby was a big pass first guy colton's a big shoot first guy so like mm-hmm. complete opposite ends of the spectrum uh but yeah there's some similarities colton's a lot more loud than uh really? than Kirby. yeah <laughs> that's interesting no you see that a lot though too with with siblings they're not often like the the perfect uh match or like not not i don't even know i'm butchering my words at yeah this point, but different. you get what i'm yeah. saying yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and then last but not least from me i don't know if rask has any more but uh favorite hockey memory if you had to pinpoint one um well right now i think it's pretty hard to beat draft day uh, that was an awesome day for me and my family. Uh, but there was a, a game growing up. I was super young, like nine or 10. It was just a, like a triple overtime winner. Uh, I ended up up getting it. I scored it like sliding on the ice. It was like a classic, like 10-year-old shoving the puck in the neck. <laughs> um, but that was that was pretty awesome. We got to skate around with my first trophy ever around the rink after that nice victory lap for, you know, the, the 20 fans that were in the stands maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that or that or draft day. Yeah, you're putting on a show for large crowds since a young age. So that's yeah. good. <laughs> Actually, something just popped into my head, and I remember we were sitting together at a rookie tournament in uh, Arizona, and you were telling me about your skates, and that kind of goes back to like 
you need things beaten up. So can you kind of tell everybody like how many pairs of skates you'll go through a year and like the purpose behind them and stuff? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, like, I really hate new stuff and I kind of kicked myself in the, in the foot with this one. I that, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I like really soft skates cause I hate breaking them in. Um, so I order my skates extra soft, but the, the issue with that is they break down a lot quicker because I tie them so tight. So usually on average, I'll go through about a pair of skates every three to four months. Wow. And I'm, I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum on that. Cause like I got my trainer today to like glue my toe cap on. Cause it was like falling <laughs> off. Like soon I'm going to be skating around with like sandals on, on the ice. Like if I'm not careful, <laughs> so we're just, we're just trying to glue it on to keep my foot safe. But yeah, that's crazy. I was like, wow. So you're going through like three or four pairs a year, but yeah. No the, problem in the show though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Once you get there, I, you're for sure. I mean, yeah, like from me, this was this has been a great interview. I don't really have anything else to add. It was just a pleasure meeting you and chatting with you. I think this is a great one, and uh, I'll let cards finish up. But I appreciate you taking the time, man. Sweet, yeah. Thank you so much for having me, man. It was nice meeting you. Yeah, and Robo, I know I kind of been messing around with the time screwing with your night. I know you got to go have supper and stuff. So, uh, but just a pleasure to have you on. Really uh, appreciate you taking the time today, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah, of course, cards. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Robbie, for that one. And like, that was an awesome interview. He spoke really well, uh, told some funny stories, and he's so nice, man. And like, when you think about it, every Western guy we've had on and that I've met so far, they're all so nice. We had Braden Schneider on a while back. That was a great episode, by the way. Anyone wants to listen to that? But um, they're all, all these guys. Like, I remember after the Schneider interview, I was like, wow, that's such a nice guy. And I said the same thing after this one. Just, he's such a nice dude. And all these Western guys, I swear they make nicer people out there. Yeah, all these uh, Ontario guys and guys out east, just massive jerks. So just dicks, man. <laughs> yeah, we don't. <laughs> no, but uh, no, yeah, like like you said, like when I first met Robo, Robbie, whatever you want to call him, he was a great guy. Just off the get go, we kind of just were shooting the shit and just yeah, just a great dude overall. So we kept in touch, and obviously nice to catch up with him on the pod. And it kind of sparked my head to get him on when I saw like when we did the Aussie episode a while back, I think San Jose retweeted it. And, um, and I was reading through the comments and somebody said, you should get Tristan Robbins on. It would be a great interview. And sure enough, obviously you guys have all listened to it now. A great spoken young man and a guy with a uh, bright future ahead of him with the sharks. So um, I'm looking forward to hopefully playing with him in the next coming years. Um, obviously a great dude and a good teammate. So it was a great interview. Yeah, and maybe maybe we get another retweet out of San Jose. Who knows? Eight hundred thousand followers, not bad. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking about this last week. For like, we're obviously at the tail end of the episode here, and for anyone who's still sticking around at this part of the episode, I just want to say that we appreciate you, right? Cards like you know, you stick around this long and listen to us talk for an hour, like you know, we appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, no, and actually, you know what's funny too, Russ? So I was. I was on my way home like to Barry the other day and it's an hour 15 and you know, you and I like to do our homework, but we'll, we'll listen to other podcasts and try to get tidbits and stuff from them that we can take to our part and just kind of learn and stuff like that. So I'm listening to a podcast. I'm like, wow, like this is, this is good. This is good entertainment. Like the drive went so much quicker. So I feel like we're doing people a little bit of a service sometimes if, uh, if they are on a, on a long road trip lo- looking for something to listen to, maybe on the bus or, or all that. So I just kind of, that was the first time it really clued into me. 
Yeah, that, that's what Drink said when uh, we had him on. That he's always commuting from SAG to Barry, and he just throws on showbound episodes and it makes the drive feel like it's nothing. Remember he said that? Good compliment. Yeah, no, it's a great compliment, especially hearing that he's not sick and tired of my voice after he had to hear it for a few years. So <laughs> Yeah, after you step in the locker room at 60 and screaming and, and taking charge. But, um, I mean, we've been, we've been going a bit. Is there anything you kind of want to add here or, or what's going on? No, I just want to say um, that I feel bad for every Ontarian out there right now with this uh, lockdown we're going back into again. But uh, I just want to wish everyone the best. Have a uh, happy and healthy few weeks here. Just try to get through this. It's going to be brighter days ahead um, in the coming weeks as we keep our fingers crossed and hopefully moving along. Um, Rask, I want to wish you all the best with your fight to get the OUA back in stated and uh, into the sporting events. <laughs> and to everyone, just have an amazing week, and we'll we'll be back with you next time.